morning, everybody. Hey, everybody online as well. Hey, so today, it is, it is official today. It's probably my most favorite uh, weekend of the year that we have here at Victory because we do have the opportunity to give our Christmas gift to the world. And I, I've been able, uh, blessed to be able to actually go to some strategic places around the world and see these things with my own eyes, the benefit of our giving uh, days, weeks, months, even years later. And so, so much good, so much joy, so much life change happens on the other side of today. And so we get to be a part, I love this, I, we get to be a part of blessing people who will never be able to say thank you on this side of eternity. That's pretty cool. And so we're gonna, we're gonna do that in just a little bit. So, um, but today we are in the second week of our series that we're just simply calling Advent, uh, talking about the gift that God has given, that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, has come into the world. Advent itself, uh, maybe you kind of grew up like me. I grew up Presbyterian, lighting the candles, didn't really have any clue what I was doing. I'm sure my parents tried to tell me I was not listening. And so Advent itself means coming or arrival. And so what we're doing is we're basically taking like the four weeks before Christmas is like a, like a Christmas countdown uh, uh, until the arrival, the Messiah has come. And so what we did last week is we um, pulled aside and we lit the first candle here, which is called the prophet's candle. And what it does, it symbolizes hope. And if you were here with us, the idea is this, is that um, the Old Testament prophets waited for a thousand years, staring at 330 prophecies, 330 promises from God that this Messiah, this, this Savior would come and he would take everything that's broken and make it whole and take everything that's wrong and make it right. And if you remember, there, here's the idea that they waited in this place of groaning. They waited in this place of, 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 of it didn't make sense because how in the world could God take those 330 promises and somehow cause them to all come together? It was seemingly impossible until the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. And we remember that God is able against all odds to be able to keep his promises, that the Messiah was born, son of man, son of God, lion of Judah, lamb of God, suffering servant, ruling king, that God keeps his promises every single time. The God who keeps his promises then is the same God who keeps his promises today, amen? And so for today, so for today as we light the second candle, and I gotta be careful because 11 a.m. the candle went out last week. We light the second candle and it's called the Bethlehem candle. This is the Bethlehem candle which symbolizes faith. It symbolizes faith. Today what we're doing is we're remembering that faith journey that Mary and Joseph took to Bethlehem. If you know the story, that was a faith journey. Joseph had to have some faith. Come on somebody, you got any engaged men out here? Yeah, Joseph had to have some faith that that baby was from God. Mary had to have faith in the midst of all that. They had to have faith as they made the journey. They had to have faith as the Messiah was born in a barn. They had to have faith. And we're embracing our own faith journey today as well. And so Hebrews 11, it lays out what faith is. Verse one, it says, now faith. Everybody say now faith. Now faith. Faith is now. Come on, this is the idea that hope is, is, is a longing for something that could happen. Faith, now faith brings our hopes into reality. This is why last week is so important because we have to have hope. We have to have hope that God would keep his promise, but faith brings that one day promise into today. I believe God today. Now faith brings our hopes into reality. 
and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we, we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. In other words, faith believes that God can take what is not and cause it to come into being. Faith is now. Now, this testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. So faith is what Joseph and Mary were commended for. It's what we're striving after today. Faith believes that God is everything that he says that he is, and he can do everything, every single thing that he says that he can do. Come on, that is faith. Faith is now believing that God is who he says that he is, and he is going to do every single thing that he said he's going to do. And if you're breathing, then you know this. It is easy to have faith when everything is going well, right? You just got the raise. I got all the faith in the world. I, I, I just got, it's a December to remember, everybody. You walk out in your, par, in your driveway, right? You know, on Christmas day, and there's gonna be a new Mercedes, $300,000 car with a, with a red bow on it. You got all the faith in the world, right? God is good. Hey, Amen. you just got married like, oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, I got so much faith. But then you're walking through your living room and you whack your toe on the table and you're like, where is God? <laughs> Why? Why me? It's like all the faith just drains out of your body, right? It's so easy to go to all the faith in the world to no faith at all. Our faith is so fragile, Right, but faith believes that God is who he says that he is and he can do every single thing that he can do. It, what, do you, what do you do when what you thought was going to happen doesn't happen and all you're left with is the things that you think that God said back then, but you're standing here today staring at what you have in your hands and you're like, what in the world is going on? And here's the truth, guys, faith, faith, faith. Faith is refined in the fiery furnace of the trials of this life. You don't know if you have faith until everything falls apart. Because you just have good feelings when everything's going great. Faith, faith is not a feeling, faith is a choice. Faith is choosing, it's a posture of the heart that believes that believes beyond belief, believes beyond what I can see, that God is who he says that he is and he's gonna do everything that he said he's gonna do. You know, and as we stare at this, we have the privilege of hindsight, right? We have the privilege to be able to look at the stories and be like, it's gonna be okay, right? But you know, Joseph and Mary, think about this, guys. An angel came and said, hey, God is now in your belly. And so you're like, Okay, I guess I believe. Then the bump starts happening. You're like, oh, I guess because I, I know other things didn't happen. So I guess, uh, goodness gracious, right? And then you're making this trip, and you're like, oh, everything's gonna be fine until Mary's nine months pregnant on the on the donkey. And then you get to the end, you're like, oh, finally everything's gonna be okay. And then your contractions start, and they're like, they had no room in the end. You got to go to the barn. What? And God is born in a barn. What is going on in their minds? We have the privilege to be able to say, hey, I know God was born in a barn, but it's God. <laughs> it's gonna be okay because we know the rest of the story. But they didn't know the rest of the story. They were in the midst of the mess. And not only were they in the midst of the mess, they were in the midst of complete silence. Because if you know the story, guys, Jesus wasn't like just born on a Tuesday. Jesus was born in the midst of this terrifying, excruciating, deafening 400 years of silence. 
right? Here's how I say it. There is not just a period separating the Old and New Testaments. There is a pause. There is extended, excruciating silence between Malachi and Matthew. This is not just a period. This is 400 years of heaven is silent. 400 years of prophets are not prophesying and miracles are not breaking out and all the church services are terrible. Right? And the Romans have invaded and they're occupying. And in this intertestamental period is what it's called. The Pharisees and Sadducees have risen up and they're oppressing everybody. Everything's moved from relationship to now it's just religion. Go through the motions. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And everybody's just crying out like, God, I thought you made promises. But listen, every single day it's getting harder to believe. Every single day, it's getting harder to believe. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have that? Maybe you're in that place today. Every single day, it's getting harder to believe because nothing nothing feels quite as disorienting as when God feels quiet. Come on, 400 years, people are praying, and it's like there's a brass heavens. Where is God? My, my, feels like my, my prayers are just bouncing off the wall and God is a million miles away. Have you ever gone through a silent season in your life? Maybe it's when you're young, maybe it's right now. Like what, what does it feel like when God feels silent? What are the emotions? It's frustration. Come on online, you might even just wanna type in, be respectful, but... What does it feel like? Like it's frustrating, it's angering, it's disheartening, it's anxious, it's angry. God, where are you? I remember one of my, my first silent little seasons was when I was 14 years old and I was flying with my dad to go see my brother at Texas Tech where he was going at Lubbock. And we got on the plane and we flew to, that landed there in Lubbock in the middle of the Texas heat, 100 plus degrees outside. And we get to the hotel and I am freezing, like absolutely freezing. My dad's throwing blankets on me, but nothing's working. So he takes me to the ER and immediately they think I have everything under the sun. Like every, you know, like they're like, maybe it's this, maybe it's Rocky Mounted Spotted Fever. I was living in the mountains at that time. That's like a tick disease. They, the Lyme disease. Um, uh, somebody said maybe it's spinal meningitis. So I remember as a 14-year-old in the ER with just the sheets pulled inside this big empty room. They had me lean over the table and they stick this needle that's like this long in my spine. Do a spinal tap on me. And they find out, well, it's not that. They do some blood stuff and they find out, well, I, we don't know what it is, but all of his white blood cells have crashed. So he has no immune system. Like he's, if he gets sick, he's going to die. So they stick me in a room and for the next week plus, every single person who comes inside my room has to wear a mask. Everybody knows what that feels like. Um, but it wasn't so they would get sick. It was so that they wouldn't kill me because I have no immune system. All of a sudden, it, everything just crashed. And the whole time, my dad never leaves the room, praying, crying out to God. I mean, I would wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and I see him in that blessed hospital bed. Come on, somebody. You ever slept in a hospital? That's not a bed. That's a Gestapo torture chamber, you know, like that they put inside a hotel room. 
And I just remember as a teenager, I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? Like, where did this, I felt fine. Now all of a sudden, boom. And eventually they said, hey, you, you have to stand up. <laughs> so I'm just laying down for a week. They was like, you have to stand up. And so I remember grabbing the IV thing and trying to walk down the hall. But every single time I stood up, it was like this crashing headache would come. Like, not a headache. I don't, migraine, I don't know what you would call it. Like, literally knife in the side of my head. And so if I was laying down, I just had to go back. If I was laying down, I'd be fine. But every single time I stood up. And so then the prognosis turned to brain cancer. And so they're like, all right, you probably have brain cancer, but we, we don't really specialize in that. So you need to get on a plane, fly to Dallas. And when you go to Dallas, go see the, the, the cancer specialist. And so me and my dad hop on an airplane. And so I remember as I'm sitting up driving to the, to the airport, like tears. I remember getting on the airplane and like looking at my dad and being like, God, I can't do this. Like I'm just hunched over the entire flight. I'm just crying, crying, crying. Like, oh God, it hurts so bad. And getting in the car to drive to the, to the doctor's office, I remember just tears coming down my eyes. And then I get out of the car and it's a little less pain. And then I walk into the, 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 the little high rise thing and, and it's a little bit less pain. And I remember, getting, I remember getting on the elevator and going up the elevator. And as I went up the elevator, all the pain left my body. And I sat down in front of that, that cancer specialist and he said, hey, so what's going on? And I'm like, okay, you're not gonna believe me but I felt like I was gonna die for the last 10 days, but I feel great right now. And so they sent me home and they never figured out what happened to me. But what I do know is that was the week after I got saved. <laughs> and so what everybody decided was, I guess the devil wasn't just very happy about what happened in your life. But that was 10 days. What about 400 years? You know, I, 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 I was standing in the, the unemployment line for a few months. 400 years? Summer and I had a, had a miscarriage, but that was one season. 400 years? Political cycles. Come on, somebody. I know, we're not gonna talk about it today. But those happen every four or eight years. 400 years? Maybe today you're, you're, in a, you're in an extended health situation. Maybe you're in extended relational issues. Maybe you're in a job situation. Maybe you're just in baby daddy drama, whatever that is. But 400 years, and we're living in a world right now. We're surrounded by a world that is consumed with this deafening, where are you God, silence. And at some point, at some point, Come on, I know we're not supposed to be honest in church about these sorts of things, but at some point, don't you just wanna cry out and be like, God, where are you? Like, why aren't you talking anymore? And the good news is we're not alone in that because a third, a third of the scriptures in the Old Testament are what we call laments there in the Psalms. And there, here's one of them, Psalm 13. This is David. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Anybody ever been there before? That is not a fun place to be. 
And maybe you're with me today, okay? Maybe, maybe you know the Messiah has come. Maybe you know that Jesus was born in the manger to fulfill all of God's promises. Maybe you embrace Advent, but here's the question, okay? Here's the question. What do you do? What do you do when you believe that God has made promises? What do you do when you believe that God will keep his promises? But how do you keep the faith when it feels like God is not keeping his promises? How do you keep the faith when you're Mary, come on, when you're on the faith journey and you're Mary having a baby in a barn and you thought this was a God story. How do you keep the faith when it seems like God is a million miles away? How do we engage the silence? Here's the first thing we have to do. How do we engage the silence? We firstly have to celebrate the past. We have to, I know that seems counterintuitive. We have to celebrate the past. Here's what that means. When life doesn't make sense or it feels like this unanswered prayer is consuming us and it does, it feels like God is a million miles away. What we have to do is we have to remember. We have to remember what God has already done. We have to remember what God did in the past. Deuteronomy 4, 9. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things you have seen with your eyes or let them fade from your heart. As long as you live, teach them to your children and to their children after them. See, God knows the tendency of the human heart is to forget. We so easily forget. Listen, it's great December to remember. I just, I got all the blessings, right? And then I stub my toe and I forget. I forget everything that God ever did in my life. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It's like you could have lived the most blessed life and all of a sudden something happens, where's God? We have to forget. I mean, we can't forget. We have to remember the things that we've seen with our eyes, things we felt in our heart, the things, the promises that God has fulfilled in the past. We have to remember those things. Here's how I'd say this, guys, is that the tyranny of present pain is that it steals the joy of past pleasure. The tyranny the corruption of pain is that it causes us to forget. We are so quick to forget. C.S. Lewis wrote this, and this is intense, okay? But it's real. C.S. Lewis wrote this. When you're happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him. Come on, you just got the car with the bow on it. <laughs> I don't need God. In fact, you're so happy that you're tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption. Oh God, how dare you ask? I'm so blessed right now. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you'll be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. In those times, it doesn't feel like God is so close. Like some of you just got married. Some of you, you just got the blessing. Some of you just got the raise. Some of you just got the bonus. Man, your hands were lifted the highest today because God is in the room. <laughs> but go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain. And what do you find? You find a door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside and after that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once. And that seeming was just as strong as this. What can this mean? Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent to help in time of trouble? See, when pain comes in today, we have to remember what God did yesterday. Because the temptation will be to look at heaven and say, it's an empty house. Was it ever present? Was it ever inhabited? Why is God so absent? Does he even love me? 
Anybody ever thought that? Like, I'm looking at my, my life. Does he even love me anymore? And whenever pain comes in today, we have to remember what God did yesterday. But God, because God has done miraculous things, things that we've seen from our eyes that we can't allow to fade from our hearts. But our hearts are quick to forget. Our hearts are a forgetful hard drive. <laughs> they don't keep things for very long. We have to remember those things because here's what remembrance does. Remembrance takes something from the past and puts it back in front of our eyes in the present. We have to remember. See, here, here's how I'd say it. One of, one, of, one of the most wonderful people in the world goes to this church. Pastor Dennis knows what I'm about to say here. And her name is Polly Burns. Praise Jesus. And she makes pies. But she doesn't just make pies. She concocts sweet Jesus delicacies. <laughs> she bakes a crust. And then an angel <laughs> comes from heaven. And he has a bowl full of the joy of the Lord. And he just fills up that crust. <laughs> And I can recall that I've had a pie from Polly before. I can remember, oh, I can recall that that's happened before. Or I can remember. I can remember that, that graham cracker crust with just enough butter. And like those key limes filling that is like just sweet enough and just tart enough. And I can remember that she sat down with a heavenly cow and like milked it. And then Jesus came and breathed on it. Like he breathed on the disciples when he just whipped that cream. And she puts, and she puts it on the top. And, I, and as I take a bite of that key lime pie, like even right now, like my mouth, like, and somebody have a napkin, right? See, there's a difference in recalling something and remembering something because remembering something takes it from the past and brings it right here in the midst of the present and I can smell it and I can see it and I can taste it and I can feel it. And we have to do the same thing with what God has done in our life. We have to reach back then. Listen, when everything is falling apart today and it feels like all you're eating is dirt today, you have to reach into the past when God gave you some key lime pie and you have to bring it into right now in this moment because life wants to steal your faith. The enemy wants to steal your faith because he can, if he can steal your faith, then your life is just built on shifting sand. And if he can control you with your feelings today, you will fall. But faith is a choice. And this is one of the reasons why we worship. Not because everything's great, but because God is always great. And we have to reach back. We have to remember. I remember one of these, these songs that we used to, to, to sing back then. Like I, 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 I just God, I've been singing it this entire week. You know, some of y'all know the song, When I Think About the Lord. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, how he set my feet on solid ground and makes me wanna shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Makes me want to shout, like, listen, I have to remember. And when I remember, I take what God did yesterday and I pull it into today. 
because I believe that what God did yesterday, he can still do today. I remember God's promise fulfilled what the prophets longed and waited for. I remember at the end of 400 years of silence, the gift came. I remember that. I celebrate that. I remember how God delivered me when I was 14 out of that hospital room. I remember standing at the top of those stairs when somebody prayed for my back and it got healed. I remember God's financial blessings out of left field and right field. Man, we had cars given to us when everything broke down. I remember God speaking to me things 10 years ago that are coming to pass today. I remember those things. And so I celebrate. When I can't see it with my eyes, I remember I go back and I bring it into the present right there, right today, saying, God, I can't see it, but I believe it, God. God, I believe it. I remember. I celebrate. I celebrate. I celebrate. Because remembrance leads to gratitude, and gratitude leads to celebration, and celebration leads to faith that he can do it again. He can do it again. I remember. I remember. So in the midst of my 400 years of silence, I have to remember. I have to remember what he's done in the past. I have to celebrate it. And then the second thing I have to do is I have to anticipate the future. I remember the past and I anticipate the future. I anticipate the future. When God seems silent in the world around me, I have to remind myself of what he's done and then I have to look ahead of what he's going to do. I have to look ahead. Remember, remember we talked about this last week, is that Advent isn't just remembering that Jesus came. It's remembering that Jesus grew up out of that manger right, lived the perfect life, died the perfect death on the cross, died three days later, stone rolls away, Jesus comes back and he ascends into heaven and then he's coming again. Advent is remembering, right, that Jesus came and he's coming again. When Jesus came the first time, he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies, but when he comes again, he will tie the bow on it. He will complete every single one. There's a completion. So there's, a, I anticipate that. I, I Faith looks ahead to the day that God fulfills every promise. Because faith believes God is who he says that he says that he is, and he will do every single thing, every single thing, every promise, every promise, every promise he will keep. Because he's not a man that he should lie. Come on, somebody. When when every Thanksgiving, the dinner's late, but you know it's coming. So you put on your stretchy pants with anticipation. You know it's coming, you smell it. You smell the Thanksgiving, it's, it's going to happen. It's never when I want it to happen, but it's going to happen. So I, I, I wait during the day with anticipation of what's going to come. And this is the calling on us to live our lives with our faith stretchy pants on. Saying, I know it's gonna come, it's, it's, it's later than I wanted it to be because some stuff's happening in my life. <laughs> And I wish it was happening right now, but I know it's going to come. I know God's going to keep his promise. Theologically, it's called already, but not yet. That's what theologian would call it, already, but not yet. In other words, God has already done it, but it hasn't come to its full completion yet. God has already done it, but it hasn't come into its full completion yet. And if remembering is pulling the past into the present, anticipation is pulling the past into the future and saying, if God did it to begin with, he's gonna do it again. He's gonna do it again. Everything that God promised, every, every, every glimpse that we saw in Christ, when he comes again, he's gonna bring it to full completion. Faith acknowledges the current reality. I let, here's how I love to think about this. Faith acknowledges the current reality. Faith doesn't deny what's happening. Don't be like, I'm not sick, and you're, you're sitting in the hospital. You're sick. Your body is sick. That is, that is um, a fact, but it's not the truth. 
The truth is you're healed in Christ Jesus. And so faith, what it does, it's, it, it looks at your current reality and then it brings God into the center of it. And then faith, listen, here's how I like to think about it. Faith plays a future movie of what's going to happen with God in the middle of your situation. Think about it like that. Because what happens is the circumstances, your, the world, your life, the enemy, what it wants to do is play a future based on your present. But with God, a future movie plays with God as the central character. What would happen if God was in the middle of your story? That's what faith sees. That's the anticipation I have. That's, that's, that's the hope that I cling to and wanna bring into the present. In the silence and in the pain, we have to steady ourselves and we have to say, if God did it back then, he will do it again. If God did it back then, he will do it again. Therefore, I choose faith and not fear. Hebrews 6 Hebrews 6, 16 says, now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. And God also bound himself with an oath so that those who receive the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Never change his mind. He would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. And these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Come on, somebody say amen. It is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So when the storms of life are coming, we remember the past and we hold on to the future and it becomes this anchor to our soul to hold us in the present. Come on, if you got an anchor tied to the past and you got an anchor tied to the future, the anticipation of what God's gonna do, then it holds you steady. Corey Ten Boom said that, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid. Never, I don't know what's gonna co- happen out there, but I do know who's in the middle of it. And so I can stand here with anticipation of what's gonna happen in the future. I know it may seem silent right now, but I know what God has done in the past and I know what he's gonna do in the future. He's faithful in the past. He's gonna be faithful in the future. So what do I do? How do I engage the silence? I have to celebrate, I have to remember the past. I have to anticipate the future. And the third thing is I have to participate in the present. I have to participate in the present. Advent is about the past and Advent is about the future, but it's also about the present. Here's here's how one of the um, the saints said it. St. Bernard, not the dog. He said, Advent prepares not just for the first coming of Christ to Israel or even the second at the end of time. There is a third coming between these two in which Jesus comes in spirit and power for our rest and consolation. Advent is realizing that the God who kept his promises in the past is the same God who keep his promises in the future and he's still the same God who's working today. We have a today faith. You understand that? We have a today God. He's not just a past God. He's not just a future God. He's a present God. Why? Because Jesus is the same yesterday. Come on, say it. Today and forever. He's not just the same yesterday and forever. Well, I don't know. I guess we're hopeless today. No, he's the same yesterday, today, to some of you need to, in the midst of your 400 years of silence, you need to say that Jesus Christ is the same today. 
Yesterday, today, and forever, the Messiah who was born 2,000 years ago and is coming again is still here today. Come on, you are not forsaken today. You are not abandoned today. God is here today. So in your 400 years of silence, I urge you, this, I felt this so heavy, do not, do not miss the small ways that God is working in your midst today. Don't miss the, don't despise small beginnings. Come on, don't just, there were only a few shepherds that first night. Don't despise small beginnings. There were only a few wise men who came that first season. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. Maybe, maybe your prayer is, God, I don't see it, but I believe it. I don't, I don't see it. I don't even understand how you can do it. But God, I believe that you're the same yesterday, forever, and today in this moment. So I trust it. I have faith that you're working in my midst. And it may be so small. It may be so minuscule. But God, I believe it. And, when, and, and right behind that, your pledge has to be this. And I'll put this up here. Don't, don't miss the miracle because of the mess. Don't miss the miracle because of the mess. Don't, don't miss the fact that the Red Sea is parted all around your life because your feet are getting muddy. Come on. Mary could have been like, oh, all hope is lost because I'm having a baby in a barn, but the baby was God. Don't miss the miracle because of the mess. Don't forsake the miracle because of the wrapper it comes in. Come on, I've, I've met people before who it's like, God's trying to bless you financially. And you're like, no, no, I could never receive that. I've tried to give people money before who needed money. And they're like, no, I could never receive that. Don't, don't forsake the miracle because of the rapper. Some of you are still single because every blessing God tries to bring your way, you're like, no, 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 not the rapper I wanted. Don't forsake the blessing because of the rapper. Don't miss the miracle because of the mess. Don't look and be like, that's not how God would work. That's not what God would do. That's not what God would do. God is working today. Open up your eyes today. He's the same yesterday, forever, and today. Oh, but that's one of the great prayers is God, give me eyes to see what you're doing in my midst, that I would be watchful and thankful as I pray, that I would pray and then open up my eyes to see what God is doing in my midst. So as we're embracing what God is doing today, let's participate in what God is doing today. Let's participate in it. Let's get involved in what God is doing today. We're not just, sit, listen, if, if you believe this, you're, you're in the wrong church, okay? We're not just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back. We're not just like, all right, I'll go to church on Sunday until Jesus comes back and that'll be the fullness of my Christian life. <laughs> we, gotta part we gotta get involved in what God is doing in the present. Remember that, right? When Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples are like, Acts one, you can just go look at it. They're like, in fact, they're there for so long that God has to send some angels. And they're like, guys, <laughs> hey, hey, Jesus, is, he's gonna come back, all right? But not right now. I don't know if you're waiting for like the escalator to come right back down. Like, I don't know what you're waiting. Like, guys, Jesus is up there, I promise you, okay? And he's coming back, but until he comes back, do what he told you to do. Do what he told you to do. Because the, listen, the gift had arrived. Come on, the gift had arrived. One, two, three, four. The gift, the gift had arrived. But they were surrounded by a world that didn't know that the gift had arrived. 
So what did Jesus tell them to do? The ones who know that the gift has arrived need to go and tell, right? This, what did the shepherds have to do? They had to go and tell. What did the wise men do with the good news? They had to go and tell. What did the disciples have to do? The ones who knew that the gift had come. Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem. And when you get empowered by the Holy Spirit, what's your job? To go and tell that the gift has come. Go and spread the good news that the gift has come. And, and so let me tell you guys, don't waste your waiting. Don't waste the waiting because there's work to do today. Don't sit around saying, well, when things get better. In your, in your, in your 400 years of silence, the greatest temptation is to just sit back and do nothing and wait for things to get better. But the truth is, guys, we have a whole world that doesn't know that the gift has come. So what are we gonna do? Very seldom do we actually feel like participating in the silence. Our, our trap, our temptation is, well, when things get better, when I get healed, when my marriage turns around, how many times have you heard? How many times have you heard? Well, when COVID is over. Oh, so oh, we're just pressing pause? We're just, oh, okay, okay. So God is controlled by a virus. I forgot that part in the, the first falsehood tease, chapter three. <laughs> Where are the people? Come on, where are those who are gonna actually engage the world while COVID is still going on? Where are those who are gonna take God at his word and believe that he's still the God who parts the seas? He's still the God who empowers us to walk on water. He's still the God who breathes on his disciples, fills them with the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover and we can cast out demons and we can speak in new tongues and we can preach the good news and people get saved. Where are the people who are actually gonna take God at his word instead of waiting until things get better? What if, what if when Stephen was stoned in the book of Acts and the first martyr happened, what if the disciples had been like, well, let's just wait until things get better. We wouldn't even have a Bible. Guys, we're called to participate in the middle of the mass, to cannonball right into it. God's people have never been those who shrink back. We've always been the ones in the leper colonies. We've always been the ones putting ourselves out there, engaging the mess of this world. And we have the same calling today. We're the ones, because we're the ones, we're the ones who know at the end of 400 years of silence, the gift came, that the gift has come. So we know one day, right, that the gift has come. We know one day that, that the clouds are gonna part and Jesus is gonna come back. We know that, we, we anticipate that. And he's gonna complete all this. We know that by faith that God is right here, right now, but we live in a world that doesn't know that. We live in a world that's consumed by a deafening ear ringing. You ever been in a, in a room that's so quiet that the quiet gets loud? That's how the world is living right now. It's this deafening ear ringing silence. This is why everybody's like, there is no God, there is no God. Because it feels like the people of God are waiting until things get better to go and tell. But we have an opportunity to go and tell that the gift has come. We have an opportunity to present the gift, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to a world that is longing and crying and groaning to know. So here's what I do. I pray that gift into the world. I pray, I, I fast, 
I intercede for my neighbors, for my loved ones, for my coworkers. I'm praying, God, God, save them. God, use me. God, bring revival to our land. God, awaken the church. God, let revival spring out to the streets. God, do it. I pray and then I tell. I actually put one foot in front of the other and I go and I tell. I tell, I open up my mouth, right? And I share love, I share the gospel, I share the good news, I share the gift. And in moments even like this, today, like we have, we give that gift into the world. We pray that gift, we tell that gift, and we give that gift. We have an opportunity. Many of us, I know some of us are struggling in here, but others of us, we've been blessed beyond blessed. We have the opportunity to give that gift into a world to be able to reach people so that people would know the gift of Jesus Christ, who we can never actually reach with our own hands, who can never tell us, thank you on this side of eternity. We have an opportunity to do that. St. Teresa of Avila said this, Christ has no body on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion for the world is to look out. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good and yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. Our faith statement, guys, our faith statement, as we believe that Jesus has come, is coming again and is here right now, is to actually live out what we say we believe. To not just give the gospel lip service, to have faith but to not have deeds. We have an opportunity to have faith with deeds to show love to a world that is hungry to know that the gift has come. So what do I do? I worship when my heart is heavy. I worship when my heart is heavy. I forgive when I have been wronged. I trust when I'm afraid. I pray when God seems silent. Because he has come, it's coming again, it's here today. And I share the good news with the dark world that the light has come. The light of the world has come into a dark world. The light came, the light is coming again, and the light is here right now, we are the people who are salt and light into a dark and tasteless world who need the brightness and the flavor of God in our midst. And we get to do that today and every single day. Why? Because it's about hope. It's about faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey guys, let's, let's bow our heads, let's pray, let's pray. God, you are good to us, you really are. Like we're, God, I pray even right now that you would help us remember. Come on, open up, your, open up your hearts, guys, come on. God, help me to remember. God, I know many of us were looking around at our life today and we're like, I'm so disappointed in this and this isn't how I thought it would turn out, but God, help us to remember. Help us to remember, God. Bring one memory to our mind right now <laughs> of how you came through. God, the miracle in the midnight hour. God, how you spoke a word, how you cut through the silence of how a blessing came in from left field. God, help us to remember right now. Help us to bring the past into the present. God, right now, even cause an anticipation to, come, to rise up on the inside of us. God, of what you're going to do of the fact that Jesus has come and he's coming again. <laughs> what will that day be like when you come and fulfill every single promise and death dies and cancer is thrown into the lake of fire 
and the enemy of our souls is destroyed forever, what will that day be like? <laughs> With anticipation, we look ahead to that day. And God, I thank you that you are the same yesterday, forever, and today. God, as we, we look around, sometimes life doesn't make sense. Maybe we're even in a season of silence right now. But God, we bring you right here into this moment that you are faithful and you are true and you're good and your love endures forever, ever and ever and ever. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was born in a manger. Thank you, God, that he didn't stay in a manger, but he grew up, lived the perfect life, showed us what life to the fullest looks like, was without sin, brought capital T truth into a world full of lies, a truth that we can still hold onto today, went to the cross, stood in our place, took the punishment that brought our peace upon himself, crucified, dead, buried, three days later, stone rolls away, breath enters back into his lungs. He rises again, ascends into heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and one day is coming back for his bride. Thank you, God, that you so love the world <laughs> that we get to be a part of an amazing truth, an amazing story. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the truth, guys. Some of us feel like we're on the outside of that story today. Some of us feel like we have no real hope and we have no real faith. It's because we're not part of the real family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And it is God's grace and it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's, God's favor upon your life that you're even hearing these words today. And so as you feel that drawing on you to come to Christ, to turn from your sin and your way of life and to say yes to Jesus, don't deny that, don't cast that aside, press into it fully. And so if you say, today is my day, today's the day that I choose Jesus, today's the day that I believe that God is who he says that he is and he can do what he said he can do. Today I'm putting my faith in Christ. Here's what I want you to do here and online, I want you to raise your hand, just say, that's me, I choose Jesus today. I choose Jesus today. I'm gonna put my faith, my past, my present, my future into your hands. So here's what we're gonna do, okay? Those who have their hands raised, those, those who are pressing into this moment, those in the family of God, we're gonna to pray together. We're gonna to pray like this, say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. You stood in my place. Every wrong I ever did and every wrong I will ever do was placed upon you. You are the son of God who died for my sin and you rose again. So I respond and I turn from my sin in my way to go down your path, to live your life for the rest of my days. You are my King and you're my Savior in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, let's give it up for everybody who said yes to Christ today. So awesome. Hey, do me a favor, okay? Let's stand up to our feet. I'm gonna give you some quick instructions here. Is we're gonna sing one more worship song. And I wanna kind of give two calls in the midst of this. Some of you need to fully press into this moment. You need to fully dive into this moment because the light of the world has come, but you're in a dark season. And you need to embrace everything that God has for you in this next song. So I just, I want you to keep your hands here, 
Okay, I want, you, I want you to be fully pressed into this because you need to know that God is with you, not just back then and not just then, but today, okay? Press in right now. There's another probably equally big group inside this room that you need to pull your phone out. And we have the opportunity to bless the world, okay? In our Christmas gift to the world, okay? And let me just say this, because we didn't say it earlier, 100% of what you give today is going out. Okay, it's going out to the local project and the global project here in Gwinnett County, as well as in Ethiopia. All right, and so there's the really small there at the bottom. It says connectavictory.com. Okay, if you don't know how to get to the giving page, connectavictory.com. Uh, in the top right, there's like this little holly, all right? Press that, and that'll get you to the, the giving page for our Christmas gift to the world. And so I encourage you guys, while this song is going on, to pull your phone out, to give as a family here. Or maybe some of you, you actually, maybe your kids aren't inside the room. If you have children, you wanna do that later on and press the button together, okay? You can do that. If, if you are giving the old-fashioned way, if you have cash, if you have check that you want to give in our Christmas gift to the world, um, we have our wall boxes that you can put that in uh, on, on your way out. Make sure you mark it Christmas gift to the world. And so as we worship here over the next few minutes, I'm going to kind of give those two directions. Some of you need to fully engage. Some of you need to, to type a few words there that connect to Victory or go to our giving page or on the app. And you'll be able to give there um, as we bless the world in our Christmas gift to the world. And I would just want to say this, okay? As we worship, I want you to know this. Hear it again if I didn't say it loud enough already. God is with you. In the midst of the silence, God is with you. You could be on the highest mountain today and you know that God is with you. But for those of you who are in the deepest valley, you need to know that he's a good shepherd. And he's the one who's gonna take you all the way home, okay? He's with you in the waiting. He's with you in the good times. He's with you in the bad times. He's with you in the silence. And we have a God who works especially really good in silence. Because if y'all remember what happened after Good Friday, there was a lot of silence between Friday and Sunday, but in the silence, God was working. And three days later, the stone rolled away. And I believe that over your life. That God is causing dead things to come back to life. Even if you're in the midst of a silent season, God is still working. Don't miss the miracle because of the mess. So let's worship. Like God is not just the God of yesterday and God is the God of forever. God is the God of today. Let's worship like God is in the room. Amen.